Hey, welcome everybody. <laughs> Today's been one of those days. Anything that can go wrong did. So you got the black, what, a blank screen for five minutes? Good grief. Shouldn't have been that way. Or maybe I triggered it. Don't remember. It's been a crazy day today, as you can tell, um, with the various emails that went out and whatnot. Let me get my boy on here. <laughs> oh, my. So, we'll be broadcasting here off of well, StreamYard via Facebook for the next seven days. Um, I got banned on YouTube. <laughs> and uh, I, at first, I was really upset over it, but then I kind of realized why I was talking to one of my friends just before the show started today. And I, I realized the particular video that got banned, I'm not going to mention what it is, uh, that YouTube pulled, and uh, that movie that just came out on child um, trafficking, that's probably what triggered it. That's all I'm going to say about that. And uh, so it's understand, you know, I, I can kind of understand why that particular video over there got pulled. So anyway, this is, this, this is how it is. So uh, we're going to be broadcasting through here at TikTok and uh, Twitch for this week. And then the videos that are made will be placed over YouTube next week. It'll be in the video file over there. But I want to welcome everybody, and hopefully everybody found us, because this is all, this all came to me last minute. I went to make adjustments on YouTube and all this stuff and got a notice from YouTube. So I was sending out uh, links like a crazy woman trying to get everything set up. In fact, um, the other video that I had set up, you know, that was supposed to, this part, you know, that was supposed to run today, I went into StreamYard to just take YouTube off of it, and it took it all off of Facebook. So I had to set up a new video. Anyway, my name is Charlotte. I have a migraine. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. <laughs> I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you have a ghost issue or you think you have a ghost issue, we can help you. It might take us a while to get to you, but we can help you. Um, yeah, but we can help you. We do have mediums on staff that can call you and talk with you as well because the state is such a big state. It's hard for us to get there. In some cases, it's hard for us to get there right away. So it might take us a couple of days to get to you. So in the meantime, you can talk with uh, one of our mediums and then they can call, in a lot of cases, calm things down in the home or, or business. Okay. Anyway, I want to thank you all for coming. I appreciate it. And we're broadcasting, like I said, on Facebook, Twitch, and TikTok today. Uh, if you're trying to find us on Facebook, you can just look us up under California Haunts. Twitch, we are Cal Haunts. Twitter, we're California Haunts. Um, TikTok, we are California Haunts, all lowercase. You can also get me on Instagram and threads, and that would be under Ghosty Gal. That's all lowercase. And you can get us at YouTube. I mean, there's still videos. All the other videos are over there, so it's not a big deal. You can check that out at uh, youtube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. So, uh, yeah, there you have it. Um, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad everybody's here. And hopefully we'll see, <laughs> you know, everybody makes the change. All, all my people over at Meetup, I emailed you guys. And, um, you know, I, 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 I did my bit on everywhere else where I teased the show. So hopefully everybody gets the memo today. My guest today has been on before. Dr. Bruce Goldberg, and we had a great conversation about the last time he was on about Nikola Tesla. And today we're going to have a conversation about Nikola Tesla. Again, we're going to be talking about some of his inventions. And we're also going to be talking about the de his death ray. And we're going to be talking about the machine he tried to create to speak to the dead. Right? There's a lot of those machines out there. 
I'm going to give credit. Puff Paranormal has one that he works with. You know, there's a lot of these companies that, that make these machines. In fact, I just downloaded for fun because I don't usually use them in my house and stuff. But I just downloaded one on my cell phone that works pretty good that really opened my eyes the other day. I mean, I was uh, in here. And this is this is where I shoot all my shows. I mean, you know, TikTok, TikTok shorts and everything come out of here. Just when I have to shoot like a product review or something, I shoot it over in my main uh, video studio. And it was funny because whatever I was in contact with, probably one of my family members, actually told me, you know, that the first message, and I'll tell you something about these apps real quick, too. I don't, you know, if they come up with one word, I tend to not believe it because, you know, you get the one word and you're like, oh, yeah, 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 so-and-so could do this and bend this way. When they come up with a sentence, that's something all different to me. So I'm sitting here and I'm saying, was everybody here with me? There was no response. So I said, uh, do you have a message for me? And the first thing that comes through this this app was, am I on video? So it's whoever it is watches me do the show, they're aware of the fact that I'm filming it here. So that was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. Anyway, I'm going to shut up now. And I'm going to bring Bruce in, Dr. Goldberg in, so we can get this started. I'm so fascinated by, by Tesla and the stuff he created. In fact, if you're watching, Robert, I used to date, when I was in junior high and high school, I dated a, a, a kid that, that was, well, you guys would call him a nerd, but he was, he, he was one of these genius kids, right? And so he used to build stuff. He was like Tesla. He, he would come up with these ideas, build lasers, build, you know, build different things. And so this is why Tesla appeals to me so much in that I just love that. I, I, I love seeing people create stuff like that. All right. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Dr. Bruce in. Here we go. Good evening. Good evening. Let's see what else can go wrong today. <laughs> it's, nice to, it's nice to reincarnate. Yes. That was scary. I came in here. The screen was black. It's been, it's been that kind of day. How are you? I am just fine. I love the weather. This is my favorite time of the year. And talking about Nikola Tesla is uh, one of my favorite topics, especially about spirit contact. Fantastic. Tell us about you, for the people that didn't see the show last time, tell us about you, sir. Tell us about, I did, your voice trailed. Didn't okay. Say. okay, for the people that didn't uh, watch the show last time or weren't here, because I have a lot more followers now, tell them about you. Okay, well, I am uh, an unusual person in, in the world. Uh, I have, um, uh, my undergraduate training is biochemistry. I have a dental degree and a master's in counseling psychology. And in the background, you can see my first book, Past Lives, Future Lives. I have devoted my life to using hypnosis for time travel, energy healing, taking people into past and future lives. My book was the first book ever written on taking people into future lives. I've um, evolved my practice to cover things like ET abductions, to out-of-body experiences, time travel, smart future, and any connection with the fifth dimension, which is what we're going to be discussing tonight. Anytime mm -hmm. you're dealing with spirits, poltergeists, whatever term you want to use, I call them ultra-terrestrials. Those are spirits that inhabit the fifth dimension. Uh, that is uh, exactly what I do. So we're going to be discussing today uh, Nikola Tesla and the kind of war that occurred between him and Edison regarding trying to find out who can contact the spirits? Uh, uh, spoiler alert, Tesla won. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so let me, let me, okay, go ahead. 
Let, let me define what we're talking about first, because remember, okay. I'm, I'm a scientist. Yes, I'm a metaphysician, but I haven't forgotten my scientific training. So let's deal with, we're dealing with energy. So um, according to classic science, classic physics, energy can neither, neither be created nor destroyed. Once it exists, it's always going to exist in some form. Now, you can transform heat to electrical, to radiation, uh, other forms of energy. But if you start out with 50 photons, you wind up with 50 photons. So we know that the living soul itself, the subconscious mind, as we say in therapy, is a form of energy. It's electromagnetic radiation, which is equivalent to this computer signal or a cell phone or a TV or a radio. It all works on electromagnetic radiation. So uh, the key issue here is that if, if we have the soul as electromagnetic radiation and we have advanced technology, and by the way, even simple technology, as you'll see, so electronic instrumentation can and does make it possible to record the existence of poltergeists or souls, departed souls who have left the physical body and are inhabitants of the fifth dimension. Also, it can record any fifth dimensional inhabitant. It might be a time travel coming back in time. It could be an ET going through a wormhole uh, in another galaxy. So any of these things are relevant to the idea of they're out there and with the proper instrumentation, which we'll discuss, including simple instrumentation, you can actually contact that. So that's the basis of this. Now, getting back to the war uh, between Edison and Tesla. By the way, Tesla did not start this war. This was due to Edison's megalomania and his insecurities. Back in the 1920s, Edison was brilliant. He had 1,100 patents. You know, he uh, was the greatest inventor we've had in introducing the phonograph, motion picture camera, uh, uh, the light bulb, of course. So um, if he decided to just simply retire or just keep on with his company, everything would have been fine except that he heard that Tesla was working on contacting spirits in the fifth dimension or of the dead, so to speak. And therefore he couldn't stand the concept of Tesla doing something that he couldn't do. For example, uh, Tesla developed alternating current. That's the current we use today. Edison had direct current, which basically sucks compared to alternating current. So he didn't like that. His ego could not allow that. So therefore there was a competition. So basically, the friction between Edison and Tesla for, made one of the greatest rivalries about not just electricity, of course, mm -hmm. but also about the spirit, uh, what they call the spirit phone. Um, so um, basically, that's what we're dealing with, it, the war between those two. Now, remember, there's a difference in the way they did their science. Uh, Edison's very famous for his expression, genius is 99% perspiration and 1% inspiration. Tesla was the opposite. He would work out these details in his mind, not have to go through a million failed experiments and then come up with a brilliant concept. For example, he developed alternating current in his mind before he even wrote it down. I still can't relate to that because alternating current is not a simple principle, right? These are very physical designs, etc. So that's the kind of person he was. Um, so basically, how did this begin? Okay, so uh, Edison was not interested in spirit communication at first. Tesla was the one who began this. So what happened was, in 1901, Tesla had a very terrifying experience, which got him into the whole field 
uh, that we'll see eventually led to the EVP or electronic voice phenomenon, which I'm sure you're, you and your listeners or viewers are, 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 are familiar with. So one night, he's in his little laboratory, and um, it's 1901, and he hears this, uh, he's, he's experimented with the crystal radio. Remember, Tesla was the one who developed radio. I know when you were in school, you said Marconi developed radio. Mm-hmm. Marconi actually stole the design from Tesla. And in the 1960s, the Supreme Court gave the patent to Tesla's estate. So Tesla developed radio, not Marconi. So basically in 1901, Tesla was experimenting with this crystal radio powered by electromagnetic waves. Uh, the signals he picked up one night were so unnerving in his scientific mind, he couldn't help think that this must be from ghosts. He didn't know what was going on. So he wrote in his diary, and I'm going to quote, my first observations positively terrified me as there was present in them something mysterious, not to say supernatural, and I was alone in my lab at night. So basically, it scared the kazoonies out of him. So he didn't know what was going on. Well, being the scientist that he is, or was, uh, he decided to develop some sort of equipment to register this, to be able to get more communication. And the goal here was to develop a spirit phone, which would allow a two-way communication with these spirits or these ultra-terrestrials. And that was where the race began. Uh, So um, back and forth, we're going into a number of years back and forth. Nothing is really happening. Um, When Edison learned that Tesla, uh, uh, through his inventions, might get in touch with another dimension before he did, he said, you know, no way. Okay, I'm not going to let this guy beat me again. Because everybody knew about the war with the electric currents and AC versus DC. So basically, Edison decided to um, take the, the, the bull by the horns and he decided to create what he called the spirit phone. So what happened was uh, I, uh, Edison used from his work some of the work of Einstein, etc. Remember, this is 1920 mm-hmm. now. Einstein already had the special and general relativity. Uh, the mm-hmm. principle already established in scientific articles. So um, uh, Edison was thinking was that if it's possible to convert mass to energy, which it is, then uh, it might be possible for spirits of living people to become units of energy with their bodies. And when they stop working and they clinically die, that the entangled particles can affect each other at great distances which is what quantum physics would say, the non-local approach of quantum physics. All right, so what happened was that Edison uh, decided to have his prototype spirit phone uh, to test it in 1920. So he set up a, um, he invited a bunch of mediums and scientists and a whole bunch of people to observe his experiment, getting a lot of publicity. Remember, Edison was, you know, he was like the Elon Musk of his time. Not quite, that was tested. Okay, so what happens is he has this, uh, event, almost like a spiritualist meeting, you know, a seance kind of thing, which is very popular in those days. So uh, he has this projector-like machine set out on a workbench that emitted a thin beam of light onto a photoelectric cell. The even those invisible to the naked eye, right? Sound good? Uh, if a being from another world were to attend the gathering and pass through the light, a meter hooked up to the photoelectric cell would let them know that they're there. And Edison would be a superstar. All right, his guests stay there for hours, 
hours passed, the needle on the meter remained still. Uh, even the mediums in attendance had to admit that nothing supernatural was going on. So these were psychics that were you know, using their abilities to uh, evaluate the room in which they were in, to see if there were any, any ghosts or any, any spirits. And the answer was none, zero. So he continued working on his spirit phone throughout the 1920s and failed miserably. He died in 1931 without ever producing any evidence of the spirit phone working or any evidence of spirits through his research. But that's his research. So now we're going to go to the dude, good old Nikola Tesla. So what Tesla did was uh, he used uh, his techniques to uh, uh, evaluate or to listen to uh, spirits from the other side. Now, he was not able so quickly to talk to them and have a two-way communication granted, but he was able to develop his radios and his other devices that picked up the signals from these departed spirits, these souls, which, by the way, even mediums acknowledge that. So he was, you know, they said, yeah, this, this soul is present, and his meters and his little devices were able to pick it up. Now, what happened was that a group of researchers claimed that um, uh, that during uh, the uh, seances that had the 1941, this is 10 years after Edison's death, that uh, Edison's plans would actually work and that they were trying to uh, support Edison's reputation. But of course they failed miserably because it didn't work. Edison lost again, even in death, he lost the Tesla. Okay, so basically the mysterious uh, signals that Tesla received could be linked to what we know today as EVP or electronic voice phenomena. Tesla was the first man to experiment with this. Remember, we're talking about 1901 and then more significantly through the 1920s. So that was before anybody else was doing EVP, right? So he was the man. Again, like everything else in life, he was the forerunner. So electronic voice phenomena basically means that the spirits from the other side are energy, electromagnetic radiation, and they can broadcast their presence and their communication. So, for example, if you have radios, tape recorders, VCRs, televisions, telephones, even computers, you can technically receive signals from spirits from the other side. There are stories that you could hear about, like somebody sitting in their, in their at home watching television, and maybe their grandmother died a couple of weeks before, and all of a sudden the image of the grandmother appears on the TV set. Or people will get a telephone call from somebody who died recently, right. or even a few years ago. Now those are not just Twilight Zone episodes, they actually occur, and those are spirits communications because television signals, radio and telephones, they're all electromagnetic radiation. And since the soul is electromagnetic radiation, well, it's the same signal. It's the same, at least type of energy anyway. So basically what I'm saying is that if you take your phone and you put it on audio to record or have a tape recorder or a cassette player or whatever you've got, any kind of recorder, and you go to a cemetery and you don't make any other noises, you just walk around the cemetery, especially at night, and then you go home and you play back your recording, don't be surprised if you get voices. Help me, I was murdered, you know. Or you could do even just walking along the streets of your neighborhood, okay? There are spirits that are floating around the fifth dimension, ultra-terrestrials, and they don't know what to do, especially usually souls go where they die. So if a person dies in bed in a hotel room or in their home or in a hospital, 
the soul will kind of hang around there for a while because that's their reference point. They feel familiar with that. And that's a good place for anyone without any special equipment, just a simple recorder. You don't have to go crazy here with some you know, paranormal device, just a regular recorder, and that would record these voices. Now, um, the, um, the, the field has gotten a lot more scientific in the sense that there are devices, which I will describe in detail, that have been uh, created that you could actually buy on Amazon <laughs> to help you with these meters. And we'll go into that. But let me just cover some of the other basic stuff. So sure. basically, this goes back to the early days of radio research. Remember, uh, Tesla was doing, he invented the radio communication. Marconi was, of course, kind of a goofy, kind of like an intern and actually stole his uh, technology. So they were both working on it and others were too. But let me go back, uh, let me fast forward a few years after uh, the, um, the, the, the 1920s, 30s, and even 40s. We're going to go back to the year 1952. On September 15th of 1952, two Catholic priests, a father Ernetti and a father Gamilli, were collaborating on a musical research project. Ernetti was an internationally respected scientist, physicist, philosopher, and music lover, and Gamilli was, was the president of the Papal Academy. So these are not creepy guys. These are guys with excellent credibility and reputation. So what happened was they were trying to record a Gregorian chant, but a wire in their equipment kept breaking, and Gamilli looked up and asked his dead father for help. He was praying. Remember, this guy's a priest, right? right. So his amazement, his father's voice was heard saying, of course I shall help you. I'm always with you. Uh, then he said, but zucchini, he called him zucchini, right? Let's see why that's relevant. It is clear, don't you know it? Now, Gamilli was astonished because Gamilli was, uh, zucchini was his childhood nickname that only his father would tell him. In other words, he didn't share that with any of his fellow priests, the, the Vatican, uh, uh, or Nenny, or anybody else. So how would anybody know to call him zucchini? Right? It wasn't a, a, a fruit stand, okay? You know, or vegetables there. So, so this was an example that he realized that he was speaking to his departed father. So Gamilly told the Pope about this experience. Now it gets heavy here. And to his surprise, he was assured uh, that, um, you know, to be rest assured, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to imprison you because of this. Uh, so the Pope uh, Pius told Gamilly, you really need not to worry about this that the existence of the voice is strictly a scientific fact. And in other words, he was supporting it. He was, uh, you know, and using science, which is uh, not the usual element of the papacy. Um, so uh, he was getting support for that. Uh, the electronic voice phenomena was next researched by two men from California, uh, the medium Attila von Sasley and a paranormal researcher named Raymond Bayless. Now, Bayless is very well written in scientific literature. In 1956, they recorded, by chance, a series of paranormal voices on magnetic tape, voices that should not have been there. Again, EVP again, right? Bayless recorded their experiments in the journal, the American Society of Psychical Research, a very well-respected journal. Uh, and like Tesla years before, not a single person contacted the society or research to inquire about their work. So in other words, there was like a kibosh on this. People didn't want to deal with this. Uh, they, uh, I don't know why, you know, but they didn't. So it wasn't until 1959 when uh, Frederick Jurgensen, a film producer in Sweden, 
first made public his amazing voice recordings uh, that um, then the world took notice about the EVP phenomenon. So that was really the beginning of the popular exposure to the EVP phenomenon. Jerkinson, while making a documentary, had decided to try to tape uh, bird songs, and when he played the tape back, he was startled to hear among the tweeting and chirping what sounded like his mother's voice saying in German, Friedrich, you are being watched. Friedrich, my little Friedel, can you hear me? Okay. <laughs> so that got him, uh, you know, years later, uh, he was convinced that uh, it was the same sound of his mother's voice. He obviously recognized it. And again, they're speaking to, to them using the kind of terminology that they would when they were children, they were young adults, as they was with Ernetti so, uh, and Gavilli. So, uh, so basically, electromagnetic waves are what we're dealing with, electromagnetic radiation. Uh, they are, uh, we know that they can be recorded. That's what you're, you, you record a DVR, you listen to the radio, you record anything from electronic media, you're recording electromagnetic radiation. So basically, uh, this is what the basis of what we call the electronic voice phenomenon, EVP. Now, there are two prominent ways in which the supernatural, and when I say that, I mean fifth dimensional entities, okay, uh, is connected to electronics. First, there is a connection between electromagnetism and ghosts. And I'll use that term, I'm sure you're familiar with it. Ghost hunters claim that ghosts create electromagnetic radiation or consist of electromagnetic energy, which is what I believe, of course. Repeated claims have been made uh, all over the place about this. So the second direct connection between electronic devices and the supernatural is, uh, is a form of electronic voice phenomena, which occurs when individuals uh, claim that the supernatural entities, especially spirits of the department, communicate through static electronic devices, such as any kind of recording. So that's basically the basis of what we call EVP or electronic voice phenomena. So again, the nice thing about this is that the study, um, there are many uh, scientists and articles on this, uh, the parapsychologist Konstantin Radov, uh, back, uh, who died in 1974 in Russia, popularized it in the 1970s. And again, the, um, the beat goes on. So now we've had a lot of, there are conferences with EVP, there's a lot of scientists involved, there are workshops, books, seminars, women. The EVP phenomena is very important because what it does clinically, and this is where my clinical background in this comes in, it helps people with bereavement because if you communicate with a lost soul of your grandmother, children, whatever, whatever it is, then you realize that there's no such thing as death. It's simply a change of dimensions. You go from the earth plane, physical plane, to the astral plane as an example. And therefore, it has a clinical basis and a clinical application, which, of course, me as a therapist, uh, this is what I enjoy the most aspect of it. So uh, this is where EVP becomes very, very uh, important, uh, and um, uh, it becomes something that is clinically beneficial and something that, um, you know, uh, that's what we're studying here. So when you hear, you hear about a ghost, a poltergeist, or a departed entity, whatever, in the fifth dimension, the old fifth terrestrial, as I call it, it's real. And the dimensions are real. They have real things that occur. Their physical laws are different. They don't have the physical laws we have. But these are real entities and people, when they go to sleep at night, they go out of the body every single night, the REM cycle, rapid eye movement, 
cycle with your eyes go back and forth and right. and, close. and they're in the fifth dimension. The question is, where do you go? You want to go to the upper astral plane, not to the lower astral plane. So that's the basis uh, of the science, anyway, of the EVP phenomenon. Absolutely fascinating. And it interests me because, I mean, they didn't have the technology that they have now to build this stuff. So it, it fascinates me to think that he was even able to try to create this machine, you know, to communicate. You see, I think this goes into a universal law, basically. And when you think of it, mankind, we have a lot of inventions, you know, look at the light bulb, cars, satellites, cell phones, etc. We're supposed to develop this. This is not just an accident. If it was, then why didn't the ancient Greeks develop it? They had some of the greatest minds in history. Archimedes, Iran from Rome, first century AD, developed a steam engine 2,000 years ago, okay? Mm -hmm. Roman government arrogantly decided not to do anything about it. But um, so we had brilliant minds in, in, in antiquity. So why didn't they come up with this? Because timing wasn't right and there were a lot of other factors. So my point is that we're developing the electronic voice phenomena and contact with spirits on the other side as a way therapeutically of getting people to get over the fear of death. That is the number one fear in America and the world. People, we call this anatology. It's the fear of death. That's what freaks people out and gets people depressed, which is what bereavement is, a form of depression. Mm -hmm. So I don't think this is, was an accident. I think this was given to us as a way of helping us grow spiritually, just like uh, technologically we do a whole bunch of things to make our life easier. And that's great. But spiritually, there seems to be a lot of gaps in spirituality. We have technology. That's great. But a lot of spirituality gaps are present today. And that's why people are so angry and so uh, dis uh, dysfunctional. Drug addiction, uh, you name it, everything in the world, gambling, you name it, everything in the world, every degenerate behavior, because they're not happy. When people are happy campers, they don't deal with things like that. So the idea of spiritual growth and the idea of elimination of the fear of death and demonstrating it scientifically to get the skeptics uh, to uh, lighten up a little bit, although that's not an easy thing to do, as I'm sure you know. Um, right. But this is a way of, uh, of, of helping us grow spiritually. So I think this is very important. Now, uh, the field of electronics has given us certain detectors and certain uh, toys, as I call them, uh, mm -hmm. such as psychoenergy detectors, ion detectors, magnetic field oscillator detectors, electronic charge detectors, etc. And there's a, a, a device which I'm sure you're going to like. It's called the ghost meter. Yes. This is a, called the ghost detector, which contains a circuit that can detect oscillations in the magnetic field. So if there is a poltergeist present and they will alter the magnetic field of the room in which you're in and that meter will detect it. So that's called the ghost meter. Now, there's also what we call the EMF meter, electromagnetic uh, interference, uh, EMI, and they also call it the EMF. And you can buy those on Amazon. Okay. I mean, Amazon sells EMF meters. Okay. So you see how commercial and how... Um, uh, these things are, are done. These meters are calibrated, et cetera. Uh, they, um, and they're very, very, uh, very good. And they have an excellent reputation. So, uh, so the idea of EVP, people can laugh at it and say, oh, you're, you're, this is whatever, you're making this up. No, we're not. This is a science. Uh, I'm a scientist. And uh, you read some of these very technical articles and experiences and some of the tapes that are done. Um, these are real experiences. And again, 
it just shows you how um, how uh, we can detect the element on the other side. Now, the problem with this is that a lot of these voices are recorded from entities on the lower astral plane. So they're panicking. A lot of the times it's like, help me, you know, uh, I'm in trouble here. How can I get out of here? So that's the lower astral plane. Now, some of the ones I quoted already, those were from the upper astral plane because they were very, very uh, complimentary or very, you know, uh, talking to their son, etc., in a very nice, calm demeanor. That means they're on the upper astral plane. But most of the uh, most of the uh, evidence that I've seen are basically panic attack times. Uh, they are uh, they're in a bad neighborhood where they're being attacked by entities 24/7. These are weird, creepy, like every every horror movie you've ever seen: vampires, uh, trolls, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dracula, werewolves. All these are lower astral entities. That's where they get them from. So if you're surrounded by a noisy environment with all kinds of negative entities attacking you 24 hours a day. You're not going to be a happy camper. Absolutely. So, so, now, well, I have a question. When we talk about these entities on the lower planes, are those the ones that, because you know, I'm the, I'm the one that does EVPs, I'm, you know, processing on my team. Are the enemies on the lower planes, or not the enemies, but the entities, <laughs> the entities on the lower planes, the ones that are in the lowest frequencies? Well, yeah, they are. They are permanent residents. So let me explain what I mean. Okay. Uh, there are entities on the lower astral plane. That's the origin of psychic attack. Okay. Now, you see, there's no such thing as bad luck. People say, oh, I have bad luck. I got into a car accident. I got tricked. All that kind of stuff. No, that's that's garbage. It, it's en energy. Energy is either positive or negative, just like ions in the atmosphere. You have positive ions and you have negative ions. You don't have neutral ions. So these lower astral entities have been around since the universe began. So we're talking 13.7 billion years ago. Uh, they can read your mind, so that's why they can play games with you if you allow them. They hate humankind. They want to wipe us off the face of the earth. They can't. All they can do is create anxiety and fear. That's what their world is all about. Now, the astral plane is a very emotional dimension. Even the upper astral plane is very emotional. And so when these entities, uh, they can consist of extraterrestrials from some galaxies. Uh, they can hang out there. Some of them are permanent residents. You've got weird creatures. You've got um, uh, just nasty uh, entities that really do not mean you well. They're jealous of us because remember, they're in a terrible environment. They're in a bad neighborhood. They don't, they would love to be on the earth. They, even though they're on bad neighborhoods on this planet and this dimension, but we don't have people attacking you 24 seven with no physical law so they can send rays out to you and do all kinds of creepy things. Uh, no, they, they are jealous. They want to get the hell out of there, uh, but they can't. They're permanent residents and they're trapped. So basically, they, they they take out their frustrations on us if you allow them. And that's why I use psychic uh, protection with all the patients I work with. Now, what's interesting about Tesla, there's something about Tesla that is, uh, Tesla was a, the most brilliant mind uh, in the last 150 years. In fact, the only person I would give credit to being smarter than Tesla would be Da Vinci. Da Vinci is recognized as the greatest mind in history. So there's a cute little aside that I want to feature something about Tesla's laws here. So uh, back in the uh, early 1950s, Einstein was near the end of his life. He died in 1955. And he was in New Jersey and Princeton University, of course. And a magazine reporter was doing an article on him. You know, one of those like spreads, you know, like a feature article. Everybody did that with Einstein. So Einstein was in the uh, his office and the reporter was there. And the reporter, of course, was well read on Einstein's theories. 
And the reporter asked him, and kind of like an aside, he said, Professor Einstein, what's it like to be the smartest man in the world? So Einstein, in a fit of rare humility, said, I don't know. Why don't you ask Tesla? That's great. Now, here's, here's what Tesla was very familiar with, the secrets of the universe. But that's where he gets his inventions from. So his, um, he said, if you want to understand the secrets of the universe, you need to understand three things. Number one, energy. Number two, frequency. Number three, vibration. And he's right. That's the secret of the universe. So in my practice, my hypnotherapy practice here in L.A., I deal with the soul's energy, electromagnetic radiation. I deal with uh, training people to access their higher self to raise the frequency of their soul and their frequency vibrational rate. So I'm applying Tesla's principle in my own practice of um, having people uh, use the secret of the universe to empower themselves and to overcome issues and to be all they can be. Because I don't do the therapy, their higher self does by using these principles. I'm just getting the parties together. So again, using these principles of Tesla. By the way, there's also an interesting study I read. 85% of all the inventions that have been, been made in the last 120 years are due to Tesla's research. Wow. 85% of everything that we know today comes from Nikola Tesla. That's why the car is named after him, okay? That's incredible, that's incredible. So when we talk about this machine that he was trying to build, what were the first, what, what, what were those first initial steps to him building it? What were the first steps of the EVP? Is that what you're saying? Your voice kind of well, the stuff for, for him to be, you know, for, for him to start creating this machine, did he, did he draw the plans at first or did, did he just start fiddling around with stuff or how did it work? Okay, so remember, uh, Tesla had a different philosophy about life, contrary, the opposite of Edison. Tesla mm -hmm. believed in developing efficient ways of, of patenting something, whatever he was dealing with, right? And of course, most right. of his work deal with electricity, electromagnetic radiation, electricity research, right? Okay, so in other words, in his mind, this is how brilliant this guy was. In his mind, he would say, okay, here is a project I want to do. I want to create something, some device. I want to patent something that will benefit mankind. Remember, he patented a free energy device in Colorado in like 1903, right? right? And so at the time, it was, I think, Westinghouse was his sponsor at the time. Well, it may have been J.P. Morgan, one of the two. And they said, look what I've done. And so what the idiot robber baron said, hey, that's okay as long as I have the meter, okay? Mm -hmm. They didn't like free energy because it conflicted against their business. Okay, so basically... What Edison would do is he would say, okay, I want to develop something, something with his electricity or whatever. And then he would, in his mind, compute and do his experiments in his mind, not like Edison doing 10,000 failures to get the ice, uh, the, uh, the light bulb. And then when he came up with a solution, then he would go to his lab and then he would work it out. And then he would create whatever the device was. So he was very efficient. Again, he understood the secret of the universe and I think he was getting telepathic communication from some of the more advanced entities around the fifth dimension that was helping him not to delegate or derogate his brilliant mind, but I think he was getting a lot of help, which is fine. That's the way we do things. I, I've developed my superconscious mind tap in my progression therapy by going to the upper astral plane and to the 
museum there and getting the right. information where um, uh, Tesla went there, Einstein, uh, Newton, everybody goes there, okay? Uh, it's the museum of the future, as I call it. So there's nothing wrong with that, but, but he was so cool because he did it with efficiency. He didn't have to waste a lot of time. Edison wasted a lot of time, and he had a lot of people working for him to do the grunt work, whereas, whereas Tesla did all by himself. That's why I was going to ask you when you said earlier, we have been given this information. By whom? Yeah. Let me tell you something that Tesla did that okay. uh, this was um, uh, a bit of a problem, but not mm -hmm. purposely done. So basically, um, in, in, in 1908, uh, we're going back in time now. In 1908, uh, there was a, um, uh, a gentleman, an admiral, uh, Perry, he was investigating or trying to go to the North Pole, right. okay? So uh, 1908 was kind of a bad year for Tesla because um, his uh, sponsors, in this case it was J.P. Morgan, uh, refused to give him any more money. So he was broke, okay? His research was very expensive. He built his big towers on Long Island if you look at his research, you know? So um, he, um, he was broke and he decided he needed to do something really extreme that the world would pay attention to him, that he would be able to now get sponsors for his research. All right, so what happened was he knew about uh, Admiral Perry going to the North Pole. So what he decided, he communicated with him and he said, look, he said, um, uh, uh, Admiral Robert Perry was the gentleman. He said, look, I'm gonna help you discover the North Pole by sending you a big light show right when you're by this uh, island called Lake Ellesmere. It's an island that's right by the North Pole, at least when you look at it uh, geographically. And uh, I want you to look out for it. It's gonna be a brilliant light show and it's gonna allow you to see where this island is and to uh, you know negotiate where you are because it gets very dark. There's no sun for six months a year in the North Pole, right? So, um, so Admiral Perry said, okay, whatever. You know, what, what is he gonna say? He doesn't know what he's doing. So Tesla developed a, um, uh, a brilliant device, it was a major electrical generator that would send out this big beam all the way to the North Pole. Now he's in Long Island, Tesla was in Long Island's lab. Mm -hmm. And he has this, uh, he called it the Tesla gun. Later it would be known as the Tesla death ray. So let me tell you what happened. So on the night of August uh, uh, in 1908, uh, this was June uh, 30th, 1908, he, um, uh, Gets his gun ready, gets his, uh, you know, Tesla gun ready, pumps it up, you know. Now, he doesn't understand what's going to happen here because it's going to be a humongous amount of energy that he's never created before. So he's got no research to back him up, right? It's going to be like, let's see what happens, which is not always the greatest response in science. So what he does is he sends this beam out. Not only does it go to the North Pole, which lights it up and allows Admiral Perry to have a nice, easy, uh, you know, visit to the North Pole, but it overshoots the mark. Now, remember, the Earth is a globe. So what happened is it overshot the mark, and if you look at a globe, it went beyond the North Pole into Tukungsta, Siberia, in Russia. Okay, this is before the Soviet Union in 1908, mm -hmm. and it caused a major catastrophe there. It was People thought it was a nuclear, well, they didn't know what nuclear explosions were, but people today would think it was a nuclear explosion. It wasn't. It was the death ray or the Tesla gun. It caused, uh, it was an unbelievable weapon 
which uh, let me give you some examples of this. It um, it gave you uh, it's, it uh, it it flattened 80 million trees across 800 square miles. Every plant, animal, and even insects were vaporized. That's why people thought today it was a nuclear explosion. Wow. The shockwave was felt as far away as England. Remember, this is Siberia. Okay. Right. Right. Uh, and uh, the scientists assumed it was a common impact, like the ones that ended the dinosaurs, except there was no crater. There was no, um, uh, you know, there was no visible signs of anything other than some weird form of energy. That energy came from uh, Tesla's uh, gun, or what we call the death ray. So that that shows you an example of how powerful uh, this uh, device was. And so uh, again, all based on electricity. And all the arguments are uh, trying to uh, assume that uh, scientists assume that the Kungsta event was caused by a natural gas explosion or mm-hmm. nuclear detonation, that's impossible, or extraterrestrial spacecrafts. Uh, remember, the atom bomb was developed until 1945, okay, by America. Uh, so um, all the typical explanations are incorrect and don't stand any kind of uh, uh, efficacy. Uh, and uh, they, um, uh, they don't like to admit it. They don't like to deal with it. But um, this is the basis of the uh, of the, his death rate. Uh, the fireball that created by this would be 30 times brighter than the sun. It would heat the air. It would uh, it would be equivalent to 500 kilotons of TNT. Uh, it would be a, a tremendous uh, device if you want to use it militarily because it would destroy any army, any city, etc. That wasn't Tesla's goal. He did this by accident. He was just trying to light up the sky so that Perry could discover the North Pole. Okay, but you understand other people had other designs about this right. death rate. Now, the reason why it's relevant today, because today the U.S. military, the Navy, and the Air Force have what they call the Helios system. That is a way. It's like a um, a laser beam that can destroy ultrasonic missiles, travels the speed of light. It could destroy anything. That that ray or that laser, the Helios system is what it's called. Interesting, Helios was the sun god of ancient times, but it stands for military jargon. Uh, this was the result of Tesla's research. Tesla supposedly died in January 1943 in New York City. The hotel room in which he lived was absconded by the FBI. They went in there, they took all his notes, all his documents. His family was not allowed to get anything. They took it into some laboratory, whatever. And um, today, 115 years, well, let's see, it would be uh, 57, uh, 78, 80 years later, it would take 79 years later, or 80 years later, it's the result of the helium system. This is all Tesla's research. Everything is Tesla's research. And by the way, what's interesting, the man who was assigned from MIT to gather the documents from Tesla's hotel room, his name was John Trump. The uncle Hello. of Donald Trump. <laughs> Art imitating life, as we say. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's the uh, test of research. The guy was just brilliant. Everything he did was um, was brilliant. And again, um, the uh, but his he's he's not really that well known unless you do the research for the EVP. Mm-hmm. But if you do your homework, he's the one who developed it or discovered it. Really, what it was a discovery. And that's what now, we are. Was he able to build a? A working model of this thing to communicate with the dead? A working model of what now? Of the machine to communicate with the dead. Was he able to actually get a working model of it? He had his equivalent of a spirit phone 
Uh, okay. But it detected the entities, but it wasn't able to communicate back and forth. He could just receive the information and the sound from the thing. So it wasn't the spirit phone, which was supposed to be a two-way communication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even today, we don't really have uh, two-way communication. Sometimes you can talk to the entities, uh, meaning that you can send an energy out, and sometimes they'll respond. But it's not like you're having a telephone conversation. Right, you can right. send the energy out, and if they respond fine, mostly they don't respond. So sometimes they will respond to your request, but it's not a very efficient two-way communication. Right. And how long did it take him to create that? Well, I, we don't know the exact thing. In, in 1901, when he had his um, experience, he technically already created it with his crystal radio. Okay. His radio was receiving signals. Now, he did perfect it as the years went by so that his uh, more um, uh, current devices back 20 years later into 1920s and 30s uh, was a little bit more efficient. It's just like comparing a, um, a, a VCR to a DVD or you know, a DVR response, okay? The quality of the signal or uh, uh, using, uh, uh, say, Skype versus Zoom, you know, or other kinds of uh, video recording. So he increased the quality. The signals were much clearer. And the researchers beyond him after his death, like I mentioned, Radiov and Gamelli and all these other people, uh, they um, were able to uh, use his research and develop a little bit more sophisticated equipment but again, it's on the reception level, not the two-way communication level. That's absolutely fascinating. And did he base, like you say, he, he already had the crystal radio built. So was this thing based on the radio? Uh, the radio, or, or what, what, what was yeah, it based everything on? is based on everything is based on radio communication. So when you think of it, when we have things like television, that comes from radio communication, electromagnetic radiation. The radio, of course, was very big in the 1920s. I believe it was KDKA station in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania was the first commercial radio station in 1920 or 21, give or take. And then you actually had television that was developed in the late 20s. It didn't become very popular until the late 40s. Milton Berle, you know, Mr. Television. Um, but we had television in the late 20s. And then in the 30s, they used television to broadcast uh, sport events like uh, boxing matches and World Series, et cetera, in the 1930s in black and white. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember that. Uh, you know, that's very documented. Uh, so basically, all his work came from radio frequencies, electromagnetic radiation. And again, electricity, separately from that, were his main research. Electricity and electromagnetic radiation. And most of the inventions occurred with electricity. Obviously. When you think about these apps that are out right now, you know, that people use out in the field, they're, they're scanning radio stations at a, at a really high rate of speed. Is that, I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying to wrap my head around this, this phone. Is that how that worked where it, where, where it would scan those frequencies? Yeah, well, you know, you think of like ham radio and all kinds of uh, various communications. Mm -hmm. uh, all these are merely receiving, uh, like a person with ham radio. Now, of course, they can mm -hmm. communicate too, but they're receiving signals. Uh, what about like the SOSs from ships that are having trouble? Sure. You know, they, uh, the Coast Guard, they get their signal. They go back decades ago. So um, everything is based upon uh, these signals, which are electromagnetic radiation. Now, for people who don't understand this, electromagnetic radiation is the most common form of radiation in the universe. It's harmless. I remember when I was a kid, they used to tell you incorrectly, don't stand in front of a color television set because you'll right. get cancer. Remember that? Right. Okay. Right. Or don't use cell phones. Put it next to your ear. You're going to get right. cancer. Right. right? Wrong. Right. Okay. 
Electromagnetic radiation is harmless. It's absolutely harmless. But that's most radiation in the universe. So basically, most of our technology comes from the development of electromagnetic radiation, whether you're receiving signals or using it to project signals, television, radios, computers, cell phones. So all this is based on, and most of this stuff comes from Tesla. He's the forerunner of all this research. When, when I think about the phone, like the, this phone call from the dead thing, there's a lot of reports like that. You know, even now, the, the, there's people that, you know, somebody dies on a train and they get a phone call from later on. Well, remember, remember a very important principle of science here, because, again, I'm focusing on the science, too. Right. So in science, uh, other than quantum physics, which is the opposite here, even though it's a real mm -hmm. science, you want things to be repeatable. You want to develop an experiment with the same parameters so that everybody gets the same results. That's what we do in science. We test whatever we're testing, drugs, equipment, whatever. Um, it should be repeatable. And for the most part, it is. The exception, of course, is quantum physics, which requires the presence of the observer. That's a whole different field. All right, so uh, with Tesla, since he developed the EVP, and it wasn't called that in those days, now other scientists and experimenters came up with his approach, and right. even independently, so now we have independent verification. These weren't just Tesla groupies. These were people that were just doing research with electromagnetic radiation, right? They were doing research with radio signals, et cetera, Unbeknownst of, of Tesla, they weren't using Tesla's uh, notes or anything. So they right. just independently came up with the EVP. Isn't that interesting? That gives that a lot of credibility to the phenomena. And again, I gave you a couple of quotes about people contacting their, their departed loved ones, mother and sure. father, giving them names that nobody else knew about, documentation to this. Uh, mm -hmm. So again, that just gives what we call suggestive evidence. It doesn't prove anything. You can't prove anything in science these right, days, right. but you can give suggestive evidence. The difference here is that the suggestive evidence is overwhelming, mm -hmm. overwhelming. Okay, and uh, you know, and people have done this. Like in the old days when they used to do seances, the spiritualist movement, the late 1800s, early 1900s, they would want to contact their spirit, and the way they would test the spirit is to say. Well, what happened when I was six years old? And, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Only the spirit that was there, the mother, the father, whoever, would know that, even though technically a lower astral could read the mind and get that too. But basically, that's how they would test spirits. So with the uh, EVP phenomena, people were doing the same things. They were testing it by relating, getting information from the person they were communicating with about their own personal life that nobody but the person on the other side would know that information. And that gave it corroboration. It's just fascinating to me that, you know, the the timeline this took place in. And I, and I know he, the, the man was a genius. So there's no question about that. But it's, even the timeline, like, like when you think about the Victorian you know, world, they were into that stuff. They were into spirit communication then. Well, you know, it's interesting. If you go back... You have to go back, you look at shamanism. Shamanism goes back 50,000 years in Siberia, not the origin. Uh, I don't think it was Tagungsta in Siberia, but in, in Siberia, that's where shamanism began. And even in the very beginning, they were always interested in contacting spirits. They were right. using out-of-body experiences to heal the soul. That's what a shaman would do. They were using hypnosis and out-of-body experiences for that. Uh, throughout history, go back to the mystery schools of ancient Greece, Egypt, Rome, Persia, China, they all use uh, these techniques to contact departed loved ones. 
there's a technique that I developed called conscious dying, which goes way back in time. It's, a, it's nothing but a westernization of the old mystery school techniques. In book 10 of the Republic, Plato, he ends the book 10 with the statement, practice dying. What he meant by that is connecting to your higher self to raise your frequency vibrational rate of your soul so you can avoid the karmic cycle. Because obviously he was a great believer in reincarnation, as am I. So my point is that it's not a coincidence. We've always had obsessions, literally, with connecting with spirits on the other side. And I think the main reason for that was not just for personal growth, but overcoming bereavement and being able to contact an entity that was close to you that you missed because they clinically died. And that was one of the main reasons for all these seances and all the other stuff. But it goes back thousands of years. You know, it passes the test of time. It's not a coincidence that people have been doing this five, 10,000 years ago, maybe 50,000 years ago with shamanism. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's something that is, again, a gift to us from the universe for us to grow spiritually, which is everything that I represent. Well, I mean, you, you, even in the work that I do, you know, I see it all the time. So even in my own life, you know, your, your family members pass away. You want to figure out if, if, you can, if, if they're still here, if you can contact them. So, I mean, yeah, like yes, you say, it's let, me, let, me, let me tell you what's the problem with cognitive versus experiential. Okay. So you have a conversation with someone who lost their relative, a friend, a relative, mm -hmm. let's say a relative. And you can go over the principles of conscious dying. You can go over the different dimensions. You can let them know that death is nothing but a change of dimensions. That's all fine. And let's assume that they're intelligent enough to listen to you and maybe mm -hmm. do a little reading and understand everything you say. That is not going to stop their bereavement. They're still right. going to believe. But if they have the experience contacting with the spirit on the other side, you can train people to do that. I call that conscious dying techniques. Now that's a different ballgame. When I do that with people, the bereavement all, all of a sudden disappears. Because now they realize not just me telling them and saying things, but they now have evidence that their departed loved one still has a life. It may be in a different dimension, but it's not like they're in a black hole for eternity or they vaporize. No, they actually have a life in a different dimension. And that really is one way to cure bereavement. And that's what I think is the reason why these techniques have been so popular. And EVP was the first real scientific way of documenting this right. rather than okay. just the experiential part. How does somebody conscious die? Again, your microphone is kind of hard Sorry. to understand. How does somebody go through the process of conscious dying? Oh, okay. Basically, what, what you do is I use hypnosis. Uh, there's a, a program I have called, I, on my. if they go to my homepage on my website, I have an album. Uh, they can get this in CDs or MP3s called the Conscious Dying Training Program. What you're doing is you're connecting with your higher self. And your higher self is going to connect with the higher self of the departed soul. And then you'll be able to communicate, get that soul to go in, into the white light, so to speak, if they're on the lower astral plane where most people go when they die, almost everyone does, to go to the upper astral plane. So now they're no longer going to be harassed. And now they can communicate and you can help them grow spiritually enough so that they can go on and reincarnate into the next life rather than being harassed on the lower astral plane for, for decades and decades of time at least by our standards. So that's called conscious dying. You're helping them to enter into the white light, 
the tunnel, white light, et cetera, go to the upper astral plane, where now they can communicate directly with their higher self. Because there is no communication with your higher self, the perfect part of your soul, on the lower astral. You have to go to the upper astral for that. So that's why we call it conscious mind. How many astral planes are there? Again, I'm having a problem understanding okay. that. How many astral planes are there? Because you talked about, you know, there's lower ones and there's upper ones. So how many are there? Are you asking for the number of dimensions out there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, there's basically, in my paradigm, there are 13 dimensions. You okay. have five that represent the karmic cycle, the, right. the earth plane, the astral plane, the causal, the mental, the etheric. Then the soul plane is the sixth plane, which is sort of like a DMZ. It's where you go after you cross into spirit on these lives, and then you choose your next life. Or if you perfect your karmic cycle and your soul's energy, you get all rid of all the karma, then you can ascend into the seven higher planes, which takes you into the God energy complex. So there's 13 altogether, which by the way, the Mayans have 13 too. The East Indians have seven dimensions. So they're different, but it doesn't matter. Tomatoes, tomatoes. The point is you want to get rid of the karmic cycle, perfect the soul, and then rejoin the God energy complex. Okay, cool, cool, cool. What's next for you, sir? Well, I continue with my work. I do, by the way, uh, for the benefits of your audience, I do a monthly webinar the second Sunday of the month. Uh, my next one will be August 13th. I'll be doing one on forbidden archaeology. So I do um, a whole bunch of different topics. If they go to my homepage and they click on the, um, uh, the webinar uh, graphic there or the link, uh, it will take you to a site that has all my past webinars. I've done like 35 of them and I do them every month now. And they can, even though uh, they're not live now, they're recorded, they can order any past workshop, uh, webinar. I do time travelers, psychic self-defense, slowing down the aging process, regression, progression, all the different metaphysical topics that I deal with. Uh, so um, they can uh, they can do that live on the second Sunday of the month, or if they're interested in past ones, uh, they can order any of the ones that are recorded on MP3 files. Fantastic. Dr. Goldberg, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate it so much. It's always great to talk to you. It's absolutely My fascinating. Pleasure. It's always a pleasure speaking with you, and I hope your audience uh, learned something. If they access my uh, my website, which I hope is linked to your thing, uh, there's articles on there, exercises, videos. I've done like 55 videos on there, including the regression of the late Jerry Springer. That's on there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So there's a lot of fun stuff on there. And, of course, all my books and CDs. And my practice is all mostly done by Zoom. So if they want to see me but they don't want to come to Los Angeles, they, we can do everything by computer. So I Fantastic. want to thank you again and wish you the best, too. All right. Well, I'd love to get you back on a later date to talk more about this stuff. All right. Take care now. Bye-bye. All right. You, too. Have a good one. All right. I always learn so much when he's on. Wow. Um, tomorrow, again, we're going to be primarily on Facebook and TikTok. So uh, I'll be sending out links for that for anybody that came over here to watch from uh, the, from YouTube and uh, and the California Haunts. Uh, I'm tired tonight. And the California Haunts Meetup. I'll be sending out links for the show for over here at Facebook. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for coming. It's, it's been a confusing day, a very confusing day. And I see my internet. Must have been some big news today. It looks like my internet is popping in and out too today. So if anything can go wrong, it will, just like the beginning of the show. Anyway, tomorrow, Peter Sterling is going to be with us. Mr. Sterling is a musician, but he moved uh, 
to Sedona, Arizona a few years back. And in so doing, he would go out and meditate, you know, in Sedona, because that's, that's what people do in Sedona. But he was contacted by angels, and the angels told him that he should learn to play the harp. So he, he bought this harp, and he, he, he tells me that, or, you know, he claims, he claims, he claims that the angels taught him how to play the harp. And so now, he, now what his focus is on is, doing, is playing angelic music to help people, to help people, you know, with, with their problems and stuff. So he's going to be joining us tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific, right here on uh, Facebook and TikTok, all right? So without further ado, I just want to make one quick, quick announcement. Sunday's uh, event for um, seeing places, easy places to access for ghost hunts and all that, that got moved to Thursday, had some issues with, with the computer. And then Saturday, I am teaching a ghost hunting 101 class. I'm, still, I'm in the process of recruiting new members for my team. And if it sounds like something you would like to do, it's an intense two-and-a-half-hour class. Uh, you take that class, and if, it's, it's, you know, if it seems like something you want to do, then you come out and have dinner with some of my team members, and we get to know you, and, and, and take, take that step. And then there will be an investigation step behind that to see how well you, you, you mesh with everybody. And then we can all go from there and get you put on this team, you know, if, if everybody agrees to. So that's going to be Saturday at 6 p.m. Pacific, okay? Uh, you got to go over to the California Haunts Media page to sign up under events for that. So it's great. You know, I've got six spots left open. There's, ugh, God, today's one of those days. i got six spots left open for that. And so, uh, yeah, the, those spots tend to fill fast. So if you're interested in becoming a California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team team member, that's the place to go. All right? That's the first step. Again, I want to thank everybody for coming tonight, including Dr. Bruce Goldberg. I will see you tomorrow, and we will be watching Peter Sterling. And I'm going to give you Dr. Uh, Dr. Golden's information. Here we go. Website, drbrucegoldberg.com, all lowercase. Uh, he's got lots of books, but we just, we just focused on time travelers from our future, Egypt, Soul healing and exploring the fifth dimension. See, lucked out without because that's that's what we were talking about tonight. And you can of course get those books at Amazon. And I believe you can get them just as well as his website. Yeah, I've, I've been on his website. It's a cool website, so you guys should just check it out. Okay. Anyway, I'll see you tomorrow, six thirty p.m. Pacific. Have a great evening and uh, enjoy. <laughs>